Welcome to the One Question Podcast, brought to you by Wabi Sabi Studios. I'm your host, Michelle Cox, and I love having unlikely conversations on uncomfortable topics. It's a huge passion of mine, so much so that I wrote a few books a while back that challenge people's notion on living a life more unconventionally. This entire podcast stems around one question. If there was one topic you wish society would talk more about, what would it be? I didn't want to be known as the female pilot. I just wanted to be a pilot. Just do the same job, try to do a bit better, and that's it. And that's where my idea of the quotas really started to really grate with me. If you're the right person for the job, you should get it whether you're female or male. My guest today has over 30 years' experience in the aviation industry, a former international airline pilot who flew the Airbus A330 and A340 worldwide. They are the author of the Complete Airline Pilot Interview Workbook and have experience as a flight instructor, aviation lecturer, expert witness and mentor. They are also the founding partner of the Flight Deck Group, a group of aviation companies specialising in helping people achieve career success through career pathway awareness, interview preparation, career coaching and industry networking. Now, you'd be forgiven to think my guest is male because that's exactly why I've got my dear friend, Sasha Robinson, on the show today. She's an aviation legend in an industry that still today has less than 5% of women at the top, something I was interested to dive deeper with her and find out why that is the case. Sash is passionate about her industry and not only has a stellar career, she is also the mother of five kids. Yep, you heard that right. (laughs) Raising five children, including three girls, Sasha has a passion for advancing careers of women in the field of aviation. A recent career highlight was being involved in the federal government's Women in Aviation initiative, creating an aviation awareness campaign for school and university age girls, highlighting incredible career opportunities in the aviation and aerospace industries. Sasha's hard work was recognised recently at the Australian Aviation Awards as the winner of the 2023 Female Aviation Leader of the Year, and I couldn't be more proud of my dear friend. Let's meet the formidable Sasha Robinson. Sasha, it is so fabulous to sit down with you today. Thanks for coming on the show. Well, thank you, Michelle, for having me. It is wonderful to have you here, and we've got lots to talk about. If there is one thing that you wish society would talk more about, what would it be? Quotas, quotas for females or gender quotas, I should say, and females in certain roles, certain jobs. I think it is spoken about, but only one side seems to be spoken about, and I'm probably not on the side that a lot of people expect. I'm not for quotas, actually. Oh, interesting topic. Love it. Why is this something you're really passionate about? I think because I come from a very male-dominated industry, aviation, and female pilot originally, and then airline pilot. And I think worldwide, the average airline in the world has about 2 to 4% females as airline pilots. So it's very low, as you can imagine. And since I started, it was always very low. The first airline I worked for, I was around 1%. I think there were eight of us out of 2,000 that were female. 
I do the job because I love it. I'm very passionate about the job and I've just happened to be in a male-dominated industry. So take us back a bit, Sash. How is it you got into this industry? Like we, as a kid, did you always want to be a pilot? Is your family aviators as well? Like, Because it's not your typical job for a young girl to want to do, I guess, in life. Yeah, no, correct. I was very inspired by my grandfather who was a pilot. Uh, He was in the Korean War, the Malay Offensive, and as a transport pilot in the Air Force and then was a crop duster. And the crop dusting is all over the world, including Jamaica and places like that. So crazy, crazy person, lots of great stories. But I was also, I don't really like saying tomboy, but I really enjoyed riding my bike, go-karting, you know, just hand-eye coordination, sport, anything like that. So yeah, that sort of initial spark. And then I think by the time I was eight, I announced to mum that that's, I wanted to be a pilot. Then I just went along that path and I just loved it. It suits me perfectly. Love it, very passionate and, you know, not patting myself on the back, but I'm pretty good at it too. So, Well, you should pat yourself on your back. You're very good at it. As the, uh, you know, 2023 Female Aviation Leader of the Year here in Australian Aviation, like that's just an amazing award and an incredible accomplishment. So we'll get into the a bit about what you're doing today. But I still want to delve a bit. I'm a bit like you. I had probably a non-traditional upbringing. My parents were really strong advocates of doing whatever you want to do. And I had a father who, you know, when, when he passed away, I realized how spiritual my dad was. But he was the typical quintessential, you know, he was a mechanic. He was like a world champion motocross racer. So he was very much a blokey bloke. And I never quite appreciated how open he was, I guess, to the diversity element. And he let me do everything and anything and encouraged me to play cricket as a kid and to ride motorbikes. And, you know, for those listening that have either aspirations to do a non-typical job or especially a job that, you know, most blokes do, or for those that have got young girls or even, you know, the opposite, those that have got young boys that want to do traditionally female-related jobs. What's your advice to people, you know, to navigate that space and to help encourage either your own aspirations or to help parents with their kids? Yeah, look, it's really tough. And that's kind of the area where we're in at the moment with my work is trying to bring the awareness to the variety of the careers in aviation, in particular for obviously women, but also for the cultures that aren't actually used to women doing those sort of jobs or just jobs will stop. I was lucky I had my mum as my biggest supporter. My dad wasn't overly a biggest supporter. He came around in the end, but if mum was the same as dad, I don't think I would have ended up where I am, that's for sure. And I think my advice would be if there is somebody young who's looking at a career that's not supported by their family or or their support network is you've got to find somebody that can help you. It's It could be a school, an auntie, a mentor. There's lots of associations out there. Do your own research. But you really do need one, at least one person to be, you know, it's like finding your tribe, find your support network, and it might not be the people that you expect. Because I've, I've found that if you are passionate about something, you're normally very good at it too, and that industry needs you. And also there will be girls or people behind you that would like to follow in your footsteps and you're sort of paving the way. I see it as you're paving the way to make that journey for them easier and inspiring people behind you, though you might not realise it. Because I know when I started in the industry, I didn't want to be known as the female pilot. I just wanted to be a pilot. When I came back to Australia to fly for another airline, we had the choice of having one of those cravats rather than a tie. And my choice was a tie because I just wanted to wear the same uniform and be the same as everyone else. 
guy or not, just that was uniform to be in the role. And that's sort of how I, that's how I played it. And so I didn't always sort of have my blinkers on, go to work. I don't want to be, you know, known as anything different, just do the same job, try to do a bit better. And that's it. And that's where my idea of the quotas really started to really grate with me. I'm like, no, no, you know, if you're good for the job and, you know, if you're the right person for the job, you should get it whether you're female or male. Yeah. I mean, and I agree with that fundamentally. I think the challenge, and you and I've had chats about this already before, but I think the challenge that I've seen in, you know, like you, I've been in a a different career, but predominantly the only female sitting around the board table for, you know, 20 years. And the stats aren't changing. And I think that's probably my challenge with it is that I didn't ever believe in quotas before, but now, you know, coming into 25 years of sitting in, you know, now I sit on ASX boards and in two of those boards, I'm the only female. And I'm like, that stuff should be better by now. And so my kind of argument around it is that what gets measured gets done. Like aviation, it's so you know, regimented, I think, in terms of rules, restriction from an aviation aspect, everything needs to be done a certain way to protect and be safe and all the things. So I'm curious in your view around if you think that quotas don't work and what your experience is in that space, but what is the alternative? Like how do we navigate that? And we're coming from the space of female you know, quotas, the gender quota, but it now it's, you know, it's diversity in all aspects, whether it's cultural, religious, you know, upbringing, you know, like all the, the different elements that people bring to the table in an organisation. The more diverse, the better, in my view, and for us to be better organisations, better communities, better countries. No, I completely agree with all of that in, in a lot of ways. I think looking back at what the government brought in in 2016, they wanted 50% of women on boards was the idea. And that to me is top down. So they're looking at the top down. I think you need to also look at the bottom up, the grassroots up. And I think what we're seeing is there's this gap in the middle where you've got the top, they're trying to achieve the top and you're you're starting with the bottom. But what's currently in there, which is like my generation or within 10 years of my generation, that's just empty space. It hasn't really been affected or that hasn't actually grown yet. And I think it will take time. So the programs we're doing are basically grassroots up. We're trying to attack the bottom up. And I think that will make a big difference in terms of bringing the awareness to the girls. A lot of people don't even know that a lot of these jobs exist. It's quite crazy. One of our programs is we go to career expos around Australia and we represent women in aviation careers and broad spectrum careers, not just pilots. You've got engineers, we've got air traffic controls, aviation rescue, firefighting. So broad spectrum, ramp and ground handling and check-in. Okay, so lots of careers. Most of the girls we speak to, you know, we're looking 16 years to 24, didn't know majority of them existed. Or if they had heard of them, they didn't know how to get into them. They didn't know the career pathways that they actually, you know, to be an air traffic control, they didn't know you didn't even need you just need an HSC level or to be a pilot, you don't even need to have an HSC, things like that. So it's awareness that's lacking. I think if we support from the bottom up and get those pathways through and, and to be seen as a female, more visual or diversity. So I guess it's a more awareness of women already doing it. As I said before, when I was doing it, I kind of had my blinkers on. I didn't really want to be shown. But now we're connecting with women industry and we're saying, I know you might feel uncomfortable about us taking a photo of you, but we just need you to be seen in what you're doing. And it's not like big noting yourself, just tell us what it's like to do your job. One of my favourite questions I ask them is, 
what advice would you give your younger self to get to where you are now? And so I think all of those sort of inspirational things, and we bring them all together, we bring all the women in industry, and we then bring obviously the women or the girls or different age groups to bring the awareness. They come in and they sort of learn about the careers. And both the women already in the industry get a lot out of it as much as the women that and girls that are seeing this for the first time. So we love that. It sort of seems to be helping the whole industry. But my problem is like I think I saw Qantas want to put 50% women versus 50% male for their cadet programs. Um, they want to reach that within I think now three years. I think they brought that back in 2017. They want it within 10 years. That's where I have my issue. It's like if you want to be a pilot, not all girls and women want to do that and not all of them are good at it. So if you're going to try and reach a huge target of 50-50 when you're coming from a standard airline industry of only like 2 to 4%, that's huge. So do you think it's it's unrealistic? Is that it? Or is it the element around you have the the issue of the quota because you feel that the pool of women is just it's just not there yet so then therefore you're probably taking from a pool that maybe is not as qualified or capable to do the job is that your kind of concern absolutely and I think it undermines and devalues the women already doing it I have no issue with if say there's five people for the job they're all similar like they're basically as good as each other and then the quota is well we need more females take the female 100 percent but if you've got five people for the job and the people are up here and the female's down here and doesn't quite meet the standard but they'll take that person anyway because of their quota, then I feel like you're just setting that, up, that person up for failure. If they do fail, then it just makes us look even worse. Or there is the old, you know, oh, she's in because she's a quota female. Oh, it just sounds wrong. That's where I see Certainly aviation, because it's such a low percentage of females, if you're trying to go such a high percent, I think that just opens it up for those sort of issues. It's just too much of a gap. But do you think we've got to start somewhere? And I agree with you, it's not ideal. But if we are starting from such a low base and to the point that you just said before around these young girls, they can't be what they can't see. So the more women are that are in aviation and you know, maybe they're 80% okay, you know, they might not be 100% okay, but is that a bad thing to the start to get some change in this industry in your view? I agree. It's a great way to start it, but it's pretty obvious in my industry when you're a bad pilot. It's a small industry. Everyone tends to know each other. If you make mistakes, these mistakes can be quite crucial and critical. Yeah, I don't want bad people flying me either, I've got to say. Oh, you're only speaking for this industry. That's what I'm saying. For this industry, I don't think it overly works. And, and I'm not the only one that thinks this, right? If you actually have a look at an interview with Deborah Laurie, now she was the first female to ever be an airline pilot in Australia, had issues even getting to that point. And she completely says, she agrees with what I'm saying. We're on the same idea. Is it no issue with having the quotas, but just be careful how they're, how they're run and how they're delivered because it doesn't seem to work a lot in our industry. Others like boards, I get that if you've got diversity and you've got experience and, and I think it actually is extremely valuable to have that diversity. But when you're looking at just pilots doing the on-the-line job, I think you've got to be really, really careful. It is about experience and it's about the best person for the job and not trying to put somebody up into a position that it's probably a bit much for them because it just there's going to be issues. It's an interesting point. And I guess it's a process job, I guess, in terms of 
you know, the way you do the job, everyone kind of has to do it the same. Yeah, there's standard procedures, standard operating procedures, absolutely. Whereas, you know, other jobs that are a little bit, you know, broader and there's, you know, room for interpretation or like, you know, we talk about a board role or maybe it's some of the other jobs in aviation if it's, you know, if we take the pilot one off, park that to the side at the moment. The challenge I've had in my career and and having dealt with this for quite a while and also being, you know, a CEO of companies and running, you know, thousands of staff like organisations Often the thing that I would see is that, you know, a guy would see a new role and he might be 50 or 60%, you know, capable of doing that job and he put his hand up and he put himself forward straight away. Like, you know, that level of confidence and the drive to be better and do better and get the promotion and whatever is, again, I'm massively generalising, but is innately it was always evident in male colleagues versus female. And then the female, you know, might be 95% there. And I'd say, hey, Sash, you know, I think this job's for you. You're ready for this. You know, you're like, oh, no, I'm not 100% there yet. I'm not quite ready. So I would see that all the time in my career. And so this is where sometimes you need the push and the force. The second part to that is around, you know, networks. Women are just shit at networking, got to say. And again, broad brushing, I'm making massive generalizations. You know, I've been trying to force women and coach women for years in this space. And when we do put ourselves forward, we're deemed as being, oh, you're a self-promoter. You know, you're like, what? No one else is going to promote me. Doesn't everyone have to be a self-promoter? So you've got those complexities that are, you know, often typical of genders as well. And as I said, we're not even talking about the cultural differences. So that's the stuff we're trying to combat. And what I would see where you'd say, okay, we've got a role and, you know, five blokes that recommend their mates and, you know, for the job. And you've got these women over here that are amazing. No one's advocating for them and they're not advocating for themselves. But in many cases, they're just as good or maybe better for the job, but they're just not getting the opportunity. Yeah, and they don't want to put up with it too. Yeah, they don't actually want to do the job because of the people that are going to be associated with it because aviation is a very heavy, the old, and it's not me that said this, this is a few people have said the, the pale male stale side of the industry, that's quite top heavy, those type of people there. So it's, you know, some of the women probably go, yeah, no thanks, I don't actually want to be in that role because it's just going to be full of men that don't want me there but unfortunately there's going to have to be one of us that cracks that seal and that goes in there and puts up with it and and takes it on and they're the ones that are going to pave the way you know and and make the difference make the changes but also if you're qualified and good at your job and it's one of the reasons why I worked really really hard is because I yes I did want to prove it to them but also to myself I made actually more effort when I had one of those type of people on board um, that I was flying with because I'm like, well, I'm going to try and prove to you that we are good and I deserve to be here rather than the comments of there's another empty kitchen sink, which I did get, which is quite funny. But probably my biggest tip or um, advice to somebody that is going into an industry like that and knows they're going to be facing those barriers, and I don't know who told me this. It was early on in my career, but they said to me, it's not your issue it's their issue let them own it and you just ignore it because they're the ones that have the problem and you just look after yourself and just do your job well and then it all everything else will just flow with that 
Yeah, that sexism and misogyny. And the same, I guess, you know, I put up with a lot of that in my younger years as well. And, you know, running big companies and being, you know, quite senior in jobs when I was younger, you know, people were very derogatory to me, you know, always men. And let's not even touch on the whole sexism and, you know, inappropriate behavior that used to occur as well. But so in my early years, I put up with it. Like you, I didn't say anything head down, bum up and just, you know, thought, right, I'm just going to prove I'm here because I deserve to be here. But then later in life, I was like, you know what, me putting up with this, you know, it's that whole, the behavior you accept, you know, that you walk past is, is the behavior you're willing to accept. And I was like, I don't accept this. And so I started to stand up for it because I was like, actually, I'm allowing this behavior to occur or allowing these people to treat me that way. And then, you know, talking about paving the way for others coming through, that actually instills then, you know, I'm tough and I'm confident and a lot of other women that are coming through that are just as good and amazing at their jobs, they don't need to put up with this shit either. And so I started speaking out about it because I was like, that's not cool. That's not good behavior. And trying to make these people be better, you know? And I'm like, to your point, it's their problem and it, it is their issue, but actually they're making it our issue as well. And sometimes it needs to be called out. And it still happens in the boardroom now where blokes will say dumb stuff. And I'll just say to them, really? And they all look at me like <laughs> I'm a school teacher and I've just told them off. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny because it's still, obviously that's still quite rife in aviation where you get that. And I guess two things there is, yeah, if you're not saying anything, you're enabling it in a lot of ways. But I think also as a very huge minority in that industry and in certain airlines in your job, although you don't fly with the same people all the time, but I think you have to pick your battles sometimes and it depends on where you are with your career and what you can put up with as to whether or not you know you argue with that or you say something or call it out but I I find there are some amazing men in the industry that support you and that's another great thing to get in touch with them and get the support they're like your little you know cheer squad behind you going you can all do it so you need to find them in there and then that's even makes it realize these other people really do have their issue and it's not you because there are always somebody there ready to hero you and go you know what you can do this and my husband's the best supporter for me and he's always saying to you you can do it and how proud he is and it's you got to find those people yeah which is amazing as a co-pilot that he is right like that's fabulous to have someone that gets the job too so flight deck consulting is your business so what are the types of things you do because you are really trying to raise you know the profile and one of the industry and to to you know educate you know a lot of young girls and people to come through the ranks and realize that there are amazing jobs in this industry tell us a bit about the work that you do in that space Sash. there's two sides of my job one's consulting which is actually not where we do that work the consulting is to do with airline pilot interview coaching but what we have is crewing. At the moment, we're just finalising and finishing two massive programs. One's empowering the women of Western Sydney, and that is all about delivering career awareness in aviation to the women of Western Sydney, 13 LGAs of Western Sydney. And we have already delivered 18 workshops and two forums, which are like conferences, and then two mentor programs, which are just wrapping up the final mentor program. So that's all about getting women from culturally diverse backgrounds, from various areas. So we've got young girls finishing school. We've got brand new immigrants. We've got people who have come um, as refugees. And we've got women who might have been living here for a while but haven't worked in Australia or they have overseas qualifications. They don't know how to get them recognised here. 
or they've had a break from bringing up a family and they're ready to get back in, but they don't know what to do. Now with the Western Sydney Airport opening in supposedly two and a half years, there's great opportunities for them to get a job in their backyard. So it was sort of like bringing everyone together and bringing huge awareness. We had lots of industry come and talk to them. They could ask questions. We matched the mentor one-to-one. And it's just been, it's been amazing. They've had, you know, women come up and say, you have actually changed my life. It's gorgeous. And, and we've got girls that are like, I've just applied to the Air Force. I've got through the final round to be in a helicopter pilot. But another one is joining to be a cabin crew and she's so excited, never thought she could make that. Somebody is going to be in air traffic control. She's actually just applied. And, yeah, it's diverse. And then actually just yesterday, someone who we were not sure, amazing transgender woman, and she was so worried about entering the industry being transgender and she's just started doing a course so she could be a baggy handler. And she's so excited. And we just create this beautiful sort of wraparound support we create WhatsApp groups and they're all chatting and saying congratulations and it's just just lovely. That's probably the highlight because we're just finalising that whole three and a half years worth of program. It's all sponsored by the government, beautiful grant, which is the Women's Leadership and Development Program. Oh, it's wonderful. And so we'll have it all your information in the show notes so anyone listening or knows of anyone that's interested to get into this field, then they'll be able to get in touch with you. But I'm curious as we close the quota system that you're talking about with Qantas giving 50%, if that's not the answer in your mind, what, what do you think is a better way to tackle this problem, I guess? Because I feel like every environment, whether it's you know the boardroom to the classroom to the workforce, the more diverse we are around the table, and as you just talked then, it's not just male, female, but you know, a transgender people, you know, giving a perspective on what they think in terms of you know issues and challenges and how to make the business better, the more contrast and diversity we have in everything we do the better stuff is so you know you've got 98 percent blokes and two percent females in terms of pilots how do we change that see this is the thing I, I think you have to be careful about trying to change it because some people don't want to do those jobs a lot of girls actually don't want to do those jobs but what's the reason they don't want to do it it might be because they physically don't like the job, like mechanics and things like that. So you've got that side of it, or they think it's too hard, like the flying. A lot of people think that's actually quite hard. It's not as hard as you think. So there's that physical side. So you get, I think you have to be respect that. But I think the other side is a lot of us still want to have kids, want to have a family. And a lot of them see that that's not an option. You've got to leave. It's rosters, you know, you rotate, you're not nine to five. There's not flexibility. And since COVID, it's actually opened that up to you can still work and achieve as a company what you want to achieve by having these flexibility, flexible hours, flexible rosters, maybe sharing a, a job. And I think if you open that up, then the women I think will be a lot more, oh, actually it's doable, I can do it because I can take you know three days off a week or I can have weekends off, whatever it might be. Being able to have the lifestyle or you know, for your specific circumstances, being able to keep the career going, you know, it's tough to do a full-time job, a majority of people have both full-time jobs and then have try to have kids and then you're away a lot. I need to say here, you and your husband were pilots and you've got five kids. <laughs> you are talking from experience. <laughs> you've always amazed me. <laughs> you navigate it all. Yeah, but I hear that a lot from other people. It's like, you know, they've sort of left that job. Or, But I guess the other thing too is, you know, we're, I feel like we're going from the top down and we're going from the bottom up. I feel like we need to encourage a bit more some sort of 
wraparound encouragement support for women that have the experience that should get into those management positions. I'd love to see more women in the management, the mi middle management positions rather than not just the directors and not just the doers, but the middle management is where I feel like it's just a bit stale and, and flat and trying to get some sort of support network for those women like doing mentorships or associations that have conferences that just support you. Because if I hadn't gone to one conference, push me out of my limit, I hate going to those sort of things. If I hadn't gone, I wouldn't be where I am today and I would not have had that award, that's for sure, because I got that award with the work we do now, not for my flying. But if I hadn't gone to and pushed myself out of my comfort zone to go to that and realise how amazing the industry is and how amazing the number of amazing women in there, completely inspirational. And, and it encouraged me to do what I'm now doing. And that was only probably five years ago. Yeah, it's a really good point to finish our conversation on, Tash, because, you know, you've done incredible things. But as you said, you're because you are quite low key, you know, and you and I've had these conversations over the years of, of how, you know, you need to put yourself out there. You have paved the way for so many others that are following and the fact that you do that in your business now is just wonderful. But you continue to do that and, you know, you've got to show up and you've got to put your face out there as much as you feel uncomfortable about it because all these, you know, younger girls and, you know, boys as well, you know, look up to you and go, wow, she's done that and she can do it. I could do that too because I've always had a dream to do that but I never thought, you know, in my family that, you know, no one ever has done anything like that. So, you know, the fact that they can look to you and see what you've done, I think, you know, you're such an inspiration. Thank you. But just on that point, it's funny because as you, as you just said, I've got quite a few kids, but all of my kids have known their mum and dad have been pilots, right? That's all they've known. And they go to school, they talk about it. But so in their view, they don't have any issue with that. They're like, what would be the issue? But they're friends, and you can see the ages as they grow, how the perception changes. Not an issue when you're in primary school, because young girls, young boys, no one cares, no one knows any difference. It's when society starts to come in at them until my 19-year-old says, I didn't realise how unique that is. And she even had a friend who's 19 came to her and said, I remember you at kindy because she came in and said both your parents were pilots. And she and he goes, now I sort of realised, wow, that was actually quite a big thing you said. But, it, you know, then as a kid, they don't care. So, yeah, I think society has a bit of pressure on that. And, and Isn't that what they say? Isn't there a statistic around that about, you know, boys and girls when they're younger about, you know, the things that they can do and around how, you know, they play and their, you know, artistic and creativity and then it slowly changes and then... I think up to like around nine, they're like open to everything. They don't see anybody as any different race, culture, backgrounds, gender. And then it all changes. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. So, no, well, you're doing uh, good things in lots of, you know, from your family to your work. And it's been so lovely to sit down with you today, Sash. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Yeah, you made me, <laughs> but I've enjoyed it. Thank you. <laughs> it's been divine. We'll talk soon. Well, there you have it. Wasn't that an incredible conversation? I hope you enjoyed it as much as I've enjoyed bringing it to you. If you did like it, can I ask a small favour? Please rate and review on your listening platform for me. I know everyone asks this, but it seriously makes a difference to help get these conversations out in the world and makes all the hard work and effort I put into this for you all the more worthwhile. And until next time, if you have one question you'd like to ask me, hit me up on my socials or jump on my website, michellejcox.com.